0: we're here it's thursday it's been a long thursday slash week for both of us
1: <laughs> it's been a long and exciting week yes uh but we have great news yes um we are gonna be at the harry potter and the sacred text virtual summer camp we are so excited this is going to be
0: a ticket a, a camp where you can buy tickets to and because we all can't go out and do the things that we want to do this summer get online and join the summer camp where you'll be able to hear all sorts of lectures and webinars and classes from all sorts of people who are
1: very influential in the Harry
0: Potter world yeah and the world
1: world too. Dude, the world like there are pe- yeah people like John Green are giving mm. um lectures and I I know when you get on and you look at the tickets, like, the first ones are, like, really expensive. Mm -hmm. They're the tickets that are, like, for the whole weekend. Yeah, But we are the cheap tickets at the bottom listed for (laughs) August 2nd.
0: And we're really excited to announce that we are going to be talking about Harry Potter and the Me Too movement. Yeah, like,
1: reading Harry Potter in a post-Me Too world. Because it was written before um, women had a right to say... And men had a right to say when they were feeling sexually violated. Yes.
0: And we're really excited. We have been digging through the text over the past couple weeks trying to prepare for this. And we're really excited about what we're going to bring you and Harry Potter Sacred Text fans and the world in, uh, when is it, July? August second,
1: August second. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a little bit more than a month to buy some tickets. Yes, but we're not here to talk about that podcast. No,
0: we're here to talk about our podcast, History on the Rocks, with Katie and Allie. This is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history, and
1: we talk about good women and bad women, and what's the next line? Nonfictional women, fictional, nonfictional women <laughs> from all times and places, because women have nuance. Yes, they do. And women also sometimes have a
0: cocktail in their hand like we do for this whole show. (laughs) Because we're drinking
1: (laughs) We have two cocktails every week And bonus beer or Uh, bonus
0: wine We have some very nice refreshing bonus beer This evening and it
1: is the reason That we get so many facts wrong That and the internet's chock full Of lies (laughs) so We are trash yes Uh, I know my sister Has been like back listening So she's like yelling at me for things I said in season two and I'm like I don't remember that like Literally I don't but but I'm glad that she's doing it yeah me too
0: uh, <laughs> so but before we get into it you might be busy you're, you're cross-stitching a Earth garden planting <laughs> yes planting a garden you have some hot house tomatoes that need
1: tending to <laughs> it is just that time of year where if you get lazy and don't yep. wear your plants oh my gosh they fry die. they fry in the sun
0: so you're doing that and you have your gardening gloves on and your gardening gloves can't open your iphone so we're going to describe what these women look like for you. So you have a picture in your mind while you're listening to their stories. So we're going to get a little
1: physical,
0: physical. Allie, who are you doing tonight and what does she look
1: like? I am doing Patsy Mink, Ooh. who I am in love with. <gasps> um, Patsy Mink is, was a Japanese American woman who wore Typically a smart business suit. Mm. She had a round face with her hair cut short and hair sprayed up in like a loose perm. It was very of the era. Yeah. When she smiles, her nose crinkles up and it's Aww. super cute. <laughs> and um she often wore a lay over top of her business suit to show her deep Hawaiian roots. Mm. Love and it. for those of you who listen regularly, you know that in March I put up pictures of my Daughters dressed up as famous women, and two years ago I did Eliza as Patsy Mink. So I'm going to show Katie right now. Oh my gosh! Isn't that adorable? We'll have to post it with the episode (laughs) for sure. I love love that. (laughs) (laughs) Jinx, so who are you doing? What does she look like? I am
0: doing uh, Aurora Monroe, aka Storm from X Men. Storm is a tall, statuesque woman with an extremely muscular body. She has dark skin, full lips, and long flowing white hair. Um, that at one point changes dramatically, but we'll get to that. <laughs> and in the X-Men of my youth, she can be seen wearing a white jumpsuit with a white cape pinned by two red pins with yellow X's. And she goes through a lot of costume changes, but like in my mind, that's what I see her as. Oh yeah, that's the
1: storm of the day. <laughs> that's yeah.
0: I mean, I think like in the movie, she's always wearing like a black jumpsuit yeah. or something like that. But I like turn white. I like turn white too. I feel like it really accentuated her hair. And fighting crime in white is
1: risky. Really risky. <laughs>
0: uh, as a person who had their period all day on a very big job. Oh um, no. <laughs> I can relate I was like I need to wear Who black <laughs> shout it out um yeah that was terrible I like there was nothing I could do all day today about it because my job is driving and there are no public restrooms anymore Yeah. so anyways that's it for period corner and physical on to the next section <laughs>
1: what are we drinking tonight it's white like storm's hair it is
0: white like storm's hair it's so cool
1: looking i love it so
0: this is called a brave new storm (laughs) so cute it is coconut milk vodka hopped grapefruit bitters white cranberry juice and you mix that all together and then you just with a little grater shed some lime uh, skin on it. What is that called? Zest. zest. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Wait, I'm missing a crucial Shit. word. This is not a reptile. Lime zest. <laughs> cheers. Cheers.
1: Oh, it's so good. Mm, it's yeah. like um, it's like a milkshake almost, but yeah, like a is. non-thick. It's very sweet. I and this
0: is unsweetened coconut milk too. Mm-hmm. I love making cocktails with coconut milk. You do. I really do. But
1: the zest. So obviously, it's really risky to put like the acidity of like mm-hmm. lime with like a milk because doesn't it curdle it can i don't know if the, it would with coconut right. milk but but that's why this zest is very interesting because you yes. it tastes like you shouldn't be drinking it but yeah. it's fine it is and also i
0: like like because we always just put lime juice in it and i was thinking like what if we just put the zest on huh. you know what i'm saying yeah. i feel like it's going to give it like more of a hint of lime than Lime flavor. Oh yeah, and the vodka is so. completely hidden and it's, it's virtually mm-hmm. non-existent. Yeah, I love it. Um, I also really like that, like because it's zest. When you put your nose to the drink, all you smell is lime. Lime.
1: Yeah, it's right on top.
0: Ooh.
1: Great. I think so, that's the best description we've ever done of a. Cocktail. Yeah, probably. <laughs> we, the Food Network needs
0: to hire yes. us. Network.
1: So, what do you know about Storm? So I don't know very much at all about Storm's backstory. I feel like as a kid, whenever you confronted Storm on television, she was already an established ex-person. Yes. So it's like, you know, you learn about Wolverine coming in to the crew and you learn about Rogue and you know that like Jean Grey like struggles with her powers, but Storm's yeah. never like that. She's no. just kind of like, bam, here she is. So I know that. I know that she is black, that she dates Black Panther at some point. Yes. Um, That... Her power is to manipulate the weather, and her eyes go all white Mm -hmm. when she does that. And that she was played by Halle Berry, who is stunning. And that Beyonce, I think, is cast to play her now, but that's very controversial. Yes. And I really don't know if it's even true. Okay. So So we'll get into that. People may have said she's up for the part, and then everybody freaked out. Everybody freaked out. Okay. Okay. So we will talk about that. That's that's all I know. Okay.
0: Sorry, I got caught in my throat
1: there. For I name. did not know her name was Aurora, but you said that a minute ago. I mean, it makes yes. sense. Like Aurora Borealis, right? No,
0: it's I. It's not Aurora. It's Aurora. Okay. So it's O-R-O. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> O-R-O-R-O. Okay. Yeah, it's a Kenyan name.
1: Oh, because interesting. Because she's
0: Kenyan. Munro. Mon- I love that. Yeah. So since storm is a fictional character we are going to start with her character's origin story from the comic books because i don't think that a lot of people like you were saying get the backstory because storm is like a leader of the x-men that is just the stable character of like there's storm she's always been storm there we go she's a leader she's strong like their her name makes sense yeah exactly <laughs> but Um, We're going to go through that. We're going to go through the inspiration from her character, from the writers, and then just her significance in pop culture. Okay. And um, how there are a lot of different feelings on portrayals of Storm and things like that. Mm. So uh, my sources are Comics Explained YouTube channel, Wikipedia, and then a really interesting article called uh, Oh My Goddess – Anthropological Thoughts on the Representation of Marvel's Storm and the Legacy of Black Women in Comics by Lucas Docarmo Dalbeto and Anna Paula Oliveira. So that's they, quite a title. <laughs> quite a title. Um, but it was really cool because I wanted some, you know, pop culture critics to be talking about Storm. And that was like one of the only things I found. Right. Um, so. One thing that makes Storm a very unique character is that her origin story has stayed fairly consistent since her conception in the 70s. That never happens. I know. Laid out by Chris Claremont. So, Aurora Monroe was born in New York City in 1951 to an American photographer named David Monroe and a Kenyan princess named Ndere or Ndere. I don't know if it's pronounced because like some people are saying it differently. So I I don't know if it's Ndare Mm. or Ndare. Um, But seeing their tiny white haired baby. She had white hair from when she was a
1: baby. It's like platinum white. Yes. Cisco white. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cisco white.
0: (laughs) Um, But seeing their little baby against the backdrop of the racial tensions of New York in the 50s. Her parents decide that New York City is no longer a safe place to raise Aurora. So they move to Cairo, Egypt, when she is just like six months old. Interesting. Yeah. But five years later, during the Suez Crisis, a fighter jet crashes into her parents' house, killing them both and burying Aurora under tons of rubble. She does survive, but she is orphaned and left with very intense claustrophobia. Got to get rid of the parents. uh, You have to. (laughs) Where will they go on adventures if their parents are telling them no? So, and her claustrophobia like comes back up. It's kind of one of her only like Achilles heels. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but another thing that makes Storm's story very different is that the things that affect her in her life, in her backstory, are things that affected people in the real world. Hmm. So racism was a real issue in the U.S. that people were facing. The Suez Crisis really did destroy homes and kill people. And all of this kind of makes it exciting for all types of people to read these graphic novels, comic books, because there are some people that just think it's pretty crazy that a plane would crash into someone's home. And then there are people like, yeah, there's a lot of fighting and tension in my home country. Mm -hmm. I totally relate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So. Now we have. Aurora, orphaned and alone in the streets of Cairo, doing just everything she can to survive. And she comes into contact with a local criminal ringleader named Ahmed El-Jabbar. He recruits Aurora and and she learns how to be a prolific thief and pickpocketer. And it is here in the streets of Cairo where she lifts a man's wallet only to have him turn around and leave her paralyzed. This man was Professor Charles Xavier. So he like stuns her and she can't move. And then he just like takes his wallet back and just like leaves her alone. She goes on. She's like, what the fuck was that? Was
1: he in his wheelchair at this point? No, he's, he's walking. walking.
0: This is pre crippling. Okay. What happened
1: to him? Do you know? I really don't. Okay. Um, I should know. It probably has something to do with Magneto. Oh, and yeah. it probably has something to do with the battle that got him. It's like the Grindelwald Dumbledore thing. They were friends then. They weren't friends yeah. type deal. Magneto's backstory is wild. Yeah. The Holocaust stuff. Yeah. That's real sad. But I have no idea what happened to him. Um, I'm not a good nerd. I'm this sorry. This is the thing. And
0: to all the nerds out there, I really do apologize because it's... We're talking about decades of stories oh, that Oh, yeah. You have, have to
1: throw it together. Yeah.
0: You, we have to throw it together in a week. So um, <laughs> I'm not going to go find all storm's backstories i did my best effort to like research them and figure out the pivotal moments but um i also don't want to just like tell her story from a to z if people are are not into it you know yeah for sure but
1: i think it's neat that like so she attempts to steal xavier's wallet yeah and he can like see people in yeah. their like head so mm-hmm. he probably saw it coming anyway yeah. okay yeah. very cool and so he gets his wallet back
0: and you know that's like it like they, they neither of them realize that like they are going to be so involved that in they're each both other's lives yeah they, they don't, don't realize that. that they're okay. mutants so she continues pickpocketing and stealing but Ahmed doesn't just use his army of poor children child thieves to steal um wallets he uses them to steal like artifacts and he's like grooming some of them to be more prolific than others uh and especially storm so storm also like she has her powers eventually and we'll get to those but she is also a trained martial artist like oh. she is incredibly strong and she's a really good fighter And it's something that you'd only see in one storyline, which we'll talk about later. But um, but yeah, so she not a lot of people know that she's a very experienced martial artist. Well, her
1: muscles. Yeah. You that. You can see through her. She does
0: something. Also,
1: I don't know (laughs) why I second guessed myself. Here's what I just Googled. (laughs) Charles Xavier loses his ability to walk after he a shot was fired at Magneto hits him in the lower back. There we go. There
0: you go. That's it. Told ya. <laughs> so, and it's in one of these uh, missions of stealing these artifacts where things go awry. And uh, Aurora gets caught by this old guru type of guy who lives in this cave and basically carves his visions of the future. And when he sees Aurora, he's like, bitch, you're going to change the world one day. And she's like, no, I'm just an orphan. Like, I I, I, I can't. I won't. And he's like, you will. And she's just looking around and he has all these drawings of her as an adult with these powers. And there's a mysterious older man in a wheelchair in some of the pictures. Oh. And she just keeps telling him, like, you've got the wrong girl. And he's like, mm, you'll see. So she kind of blows him off. And then she gets involved with some other orphan gangs. And just years later, in another incident, she gets attacked by a group of men she stole a camera from. So they surround her. And it's very scary. Image because it's this young black girl and all these like white men with guns, which is just like the worst image. That's horrifying. And um, all of a sudden, she like floats up into the air, her eyes turn white, and her powers manifest. And she like fog like rolls in around her and she like attacks the guys and like runs away. But she's like, what the fuck was that? Because Mutants get their powers kind of like in puberty, right? They develop. Slowly. Yeah, they develop. I had exactly. forgotten
1: that she kind of floats. when yes. she does it. Mm-hmm.
0: She points her feet so nicely too. I know. I was always really bad at that. <laughs> at floating? No. <laughs> <laughs> at pointing my feet. Doing what? What am I talking about? Um. Um. So they start to hunt her. Because These men. she didn't realize that the men that she stole the camera from are specifically mutant hunters. Uh, they're like poachers that's what but they were humans. Ex- okay. for humans, for mutants. Yeah, and that's exactly what they were doing in that area. So they start to hunt her and they eventually shoot her with a tranquilizing gun because she just found out she had power. She doesn't know how to use them. So they shoot her with a tranquilizing gun. But, as they start to surround her again, a young, strong black man with arrows slung over his shoulders comes out of the woods. His name is T'Challa, who some of you might know better as the Black Panther.
1: How close is Kenya to, like... I think she
0: was in, like, the Serengeti at this point. Okay, I think so she had moved. Farther south. Yes. Okay. So she had been, like, moving around mm-hmm. um, to different areas of the continent of Africa. mm mm-hmm. um, It's, again, unclear. Yeah.
1: You know, the the second largest continent (laughs) in the world. (laughs) She ends up near where Black Panther is. She's around. So
0: um, he rescues her and Aurora and him fall in love. But she just keeps thinking, I'm not good enough for you. You don't understand. I've done such horrible things. And she has this really strong moment in her story where – You see in the panels that she's like, you don't understand. She's like, I had to steal and cheat and pickpocket and do all these things because if I didn't, my other option was to be a sex worker. Right. She was like, it's either this. Give up my body or or die. She's discussing privilege with him. Yeah, she absolutely is. This is
1: what I had to do.
0: Yeah. She's like, I didn't have another fucking option. I'm not the prince of a country. Yeah, exactly. That has
1: secret powerful metal. <laughs> yeah, or whatever and, the fuck it is. And of
0: course, he's like, no, no, like it's fine. And she's like, no, it's, it's just like I can't do this. Yeah. So she leaves. Um, and after this, she joins a local tribe in Kenya where her ancestors hailed from, and she is worshipped as a rain goddess for her ability to alter the weather and help their crops grow they're like oh my god like you are a goddess you're literally sent from the heavens to help us and this is where she really starts to discover her powers of manipulating the weather and like large bodies of water and she learns how to be a leader here and she forms a positive community for the first time in her life but eventually she meets up with professor x again um i think he like kind of used his brain power to like Go out and like see search in the world for mutants, and he's like, mm, "There's a mutant in Kenya
1: named Aurora. I'm a finder." So, and wait, did you say one of her parents is white?
0: No, 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 no. no. Um, he was an American. Okay, he's so New York heard,
1: American and a Kenyan. Yeah, okay. but
0: both black. Got it. Um, so Professor X finds her and he recruits her into the X Men. And the X-Men, as we might know it, is a group of mutants um, or people born with the X-Gene, which causes them to develop certain superpowers. Um, All the mutants come together at a place called Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters um, (laughs) at a location commonly known as x Mansion. Uh, and it's all owned and operated by Professor X, who recruits mutants from all around the world to teach them how to use their powers and coexist with humanity. Mm. And again, like, I don't know exactly what the story is of how he found her, but either way, she's indoctrined in and she gains the code name Storm. So now we're going to go into calling her Storm because I don't even know if I'm pronouncing Aurora correctly. Perfect. Storm is much what And it's <laughs> we, what we know about her. Right. So. Um, She is initially like a little hesitant of the group because when she got involved with them, she was already at a point in her life where she thought she knew what she was and who she was. She's like, I am a Kenyan goddess. I have magic because I am a goddess so now a she long has to loss. redefine herself. Yeah, so now she has to redefine herself into this word that like most people coin as like an ugly, like distasteful thing. They're like, no, like you're a mutant. Mm-hmm. And she's like, No, I'm not. I'm a fucking Kenyan royalty. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm magic, I'm not evil. And they're like, No, 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 like mutant's a good thing. So that's a... so interesting. It because is. Wonder
1: Woman was like a princess yeah. because of her power.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And so there's this really interesting phase of like a transition. Um, But as soon as she saw the good that they were trying to do for people and like for people like her, she was like, oh, I mean, yeah, okay. And she joins up with them and she becomes the storm that we know and love today. She quickly becomes a leader of the group and is named a deputy of the X-Men, replacing Cyclops after the, you know, perceived death of Jane Grey. I feel like she dies. She, like, pretends. Not pretends, but, like, people think she dies a couple of times. Yes. Jean. Jean Grey. Yeah. You said Jane. Jean? Yeah, it's Jean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say Jane? Uh-huh.
1: But, yeah, she comes back all the time. She's a Phoenix. Yeah. She's yeah. the all Phoenix.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I also think it's interesting that, like, I feel like everybody else goes by their nicknames except for Jean Grey. Yeah.
1: It's because she always can't control her powers. (laughs) She's like the one fainting at the end of every scene. Like, this was too hard. (laughs) So difficult.
0: And Um, Sansa Stark
1: is her now. I know. I like that.
0: (laughs) She um, also eventually leads her own team of mutants when the X-Men split in half at some point. Um, Over the years, Storm could be seen battling demons of her past, altering the weather to fight evil forces, and leading the X-Men into countless victories. There's also this really amazing storyline where she becomes the leader of these groups called the Morlocks like she rescues them from this evil tyrant and she becomes their leader again because she's just a natural born leader. And in this storyline we see her and the person she's fighting against I think it's some person like named like Calypso or something like that. And Calypso is like, "I'll fight you, but you're not allowed to use your powers." And then Storm just goes Okay. And Calypso's like, hmm, I got this in the bag. And literally no one realizes that Storm is a trained martial artist. And this is what I was talking about earlier. And they're all
1: like, oh no, don't yeah. do Yeah. So
0: she beats Calypso's ass, whoever it was, and frees the Morlocks and becomes like their like queen or whatever. And <laughs> it sets up like a whole new storyline for Storm where she's like, now in charge of all these people. And like, She has this skill that nobody really knew she had, and she's a badass.
1: They only needed her to create fog so their plane could be cloaked.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, But near the end of her story, we see her make a transition from the X-Men comics to the Black Panther comics when she reunites with T'Challa, and they get married, and she becomes the queen of Wakanda, which some people were really excited about. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. And other people were like, are you just putting them together because they're they're like the two black characters, like the two African characters? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because this was in 2006. So some people are like, well, what is going on exactly here? Like, are you just trying to placate us? Like, because it wasn't like. Black Panther had been kind of being reintroduced over many issues. It was just like, from what I understand, it was
1: like he was in it at one point and then, yeah,
0: exactly. And then like, because like, yeah, anyways, so some people hated it. Some people loved it. It's very mixed bag as all stuff with comics is right. (laughs) Um, but again, that was in 2006 and, Things in comics are always changing and evolving, so the marriage had been rocky with T'Challa because he was being possessed by the Shadow King at some point, but either way, (laughs) I don't think they're together now, but that's the backstory of the character and where she is now. So now that we've done that, I really want to get into the story of how Storm came to be and what her cultural significance is.
1: Yeah, who made her up? So. Stanley. No, (laughs) No.
0: actually. So I was really fascinated by the origins of the X-Men because they were created by Stanley and Jack Kirby in an attempt to create a group of superheroes that didn't have horrible things happen to them that gave them their powers. So Stanley um, said, I couldn't have everybody bitten by a radioactive spider or exposed to gamma ray explosion And I just took the cowardly way out. I said to myself, why don't I just say they're mutants? They were born that way.
1: (laughs) I mean, listen, it's just evolution. So (laughs) they've evolved past us. Exactly. They're beyond. So in 1963,
0: he created this series called Mutants, which was retitled to X-Men. And in early X-Men issues, they introduced the original team composed of Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Beast, Angel, and Iceman. Beast is
1: my favorite. I like Beast a lot.
0: <laughs> Along with their arch enemy, Magneto, and his brotherhood of evil mutants. But when the franchise came out, people were like, I mean, it's just another Avengers. It's just another Fantastic Four. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, there was nothing unique about it. And it took a long time for the franchise to get it right. It even got to the point where they were releasing new issues every two months because they were just not selling. But out of the corner of a meeting one day when they were like, all right, we're going to just sink this project unless someone wants it. And a man named Chris Claremont raised his hand and said, I'll take it. And Chris Claremont took over the series, and basically saved X-Men and made it into what it is today. That is vision. Yeah. And this is where we get Storm. Her first appearance was in the 1975 Giant Size X-Men issue number one, which was another attempt and the first successful attempt to revive the series. Instead of focusing on primary white Anglo-Saxon characters, the series is like, hmm, Maybe we should add some more diverse people. Maybe attract a more diverse audience because people other than white males read fucking comic books and (laughs) like nerd shit. Wait, what? What? (laughs) So the, quote, all new, all different X-Men were led by Cyclops from the original team and consisted of newly created Colossus from the Soviet Union, Russia, Mm -hmm. Nightcrawler from West Germany, Germany, (laughs) Storm from Kenya, And Thunderbird, Um, he was a Native American of Apache descent. And then three previously introduced characters. We have the Banshee from Ireland, Sunfire from Japan, and Wolverine from Canada.
1: Yeah, Logan
0: didn't realize that he was from Canada (laughs) and I love it it also fits
1: (laughs) yeah it really does it fits Hugh Jackman to be Canadian so in order
0: to kind of um, fit it into the existing storyline so that it it didn't seem like there was just a whole new series they wrote it in as if this new diverse group had to bail out the original team who had disappeared during a mission (sighs) typical foreigners taking our jobs am I right (laughs) immigrants get the job done (laughs) didn't you know So, (laughs) surprise, surprise, when they added a more diverse team, the comics started selling again and the series took off because this is what makes the comic world so interesting. Since they have the ability to change storylines, they're always adapting to what's going on in the world and frankly what will boost sales they're like people don't want to see a bunch of white people running around in latex and capes anymore Like, and no, they want not to even see white people
1: yeah the, i it, know it gets boring <laughs> like i'm so tired of the same exact story for every single character like give me somebody new exactly representation is good for everybody it
0: really is so When Storm was first being conceived as a character, she was actually an amalgamation of two different characters from comic books, Black Cat from the Spider-Man comics and Typhoon, who was like a Greek god sort of character in some kind of Hercules series or something like that. So she was originally going to be a male character, but they were like, all the new characters were kind of coming up with our men. I think we need to add a woman. So they changed her to a strong black female with white flowing hair. And critics initially didn't want her to have white hair because they were like, it's going to be too grandma. She's going to look like an old lady. But the artist, Dave Cockrum, was like insisting on it. He was like, no, it's going to be sick and iconic. But also, I didn't think about this. I was listening to a podcast earlier today, just about two people talking about Storm, Mm -hmm. um, just because I wanted to get a feel for like how people in the culture, like nerd culture, actually feel about about it. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of dissent on her hair because some people are like, the only black female superhero we have right now has white woman hair. Right. And it's kind of like, come on. Like, <laughs> you know, Cause, like, and I understand like that. It's like a, for drawing, like whatever. But like, I do understand the frustration of like, you know, that's not how her hair would oh, be.
1: I <laughs> thought she was white when I was a kid. Really? I, I gave her kind of like the same, um, vibe that i gave jasmine mm. like i was like yeah she's just a white woman just a little bit tan yeah, you know like just i tan. <laughs> in, in my head it didn't make that connection right until i was much older and i was like oh yeah
0: no absolutely
1: but i mean now we have uh all of uh the black panther crew yeah winning oscars oh for like best gosh. costumes amazing because that <laughs> shit is awesome it is
0: um but It was also especially important that Storm was black because, as we know from just how fucked up the world is, there's not a lot of representation for women of color in comics. Right. And let's be clear, it's not because women, and especially women of color, were not interested. Jackie Ormez, who we will absolutely cover in the future, was writing comic books with black female leads as early as 1937 with her series Torchy Brown. And it was through Torchy Brown that Ormez became the first African American woman to produce a nationally appearing comic strip. That's so cool. In the
1: '30s, that's incredible. Yeah,
0: I literally almost texted you, and I was like, "I'm not doing Storm. I'm doing Jackie Ormez this week. (laughs) (laughs) We will do her eventually because I find her fascinating." So, um, but of course, right now we're talking about. The, you know, previously white male dominated world of action comics, which is is a whole different ballgame than like the Sunday Strip.
1: Mm-hmm. But but the previously white male dominated world. Just, yes. Just period. It, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. not Like of comics. True, 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 true. <laughs> um,
0: Action comics did have a few black male characters with Luke Cage appearing in 1972, Black Panther appearing in 1966 and the earliest Gabe Jones appearing in 1963. And the same year that Storm premiered... And Frozone. Oh, my gosh. Where is my super... super? (laughs) Such a good movie. Um, (laughs) um, Okay. But the same year that Storm premiered, there was one other black female um, comic book character by the name of Misty Knight, who was a supporting character in the series Marvel Premiere. I was having a really hard time finding a lot of information on that because I didn't quite understand it because it's a very vague name. Mm. (laughs) Marvel premiere. Um, And I've never heard of it before. Um, But as far as mainstream action comic book female stars of color, Storm is like number one for sure. Oh, yeah. And she has remained one of the most recognizable and successful black female characters just like of all time. She has also... Just a really interesting backstory that highlights her Kenyan roots, her turbulent childhood, and her struggles as a black female. And this is what really separated her from really any other female superhero at the time. So I took this straight from that article that I cited at the the top of the um, story. The female characters then existing, such as Wonder Woman, Invisible Woman, and Marvel Girl, have attributes that recur in the concept of the good girl. She is a beauty characterized by youth and lines that fit mainstream ideas. A Caucasian woman with an attractive body and an angelic face. Femininity and aesthetics are crucial elements in these women. Also, the feminine is represented in the code names which the characters adopt Wonder Woman, like Mm. Supergirl, Marvel Girl, like, you know, like.
1: Miss Marvel. Yeah, Miss
0: Marvel, Invisible Woman, like, which I had not even thought of. The fact that. There's power in her name just being Storm. Mm-hmm. She's
1: like a one-namer. She's, she's a one-namer.
0: And just not having any sort of gender declaration in that is really fascinating to me. And I think that maybe that's even one of the good things about the X-Men. Oh, in general, yeah. They did that a lot because, I mean, obviously, Jean Grey, we know, is Jean Grey. But Rogue, but,
1: Jubilee. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, like, those are very ambiguous names. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and we also have Storm representing this new kind of radicalized beauty, highlighting her dark skin and this, like, tribalness, but which was also kind of turned into, like, an exotic stereotype. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, And in the first issue, we do see her flying through the air with her breasts exposed, something that is definitely not done to white characters. So okay. they're is some criticism on, like, is she overly sexualized as a black woman?
1: Right. Or is, like, is this what you think of Kenyan culture? Yeah, Like, exactly. what do you actually
0: know of Kenyan culture? Right. right. Um, and then we also have some problematic scenes where Jean Grey and her becoming friends. But their friendship is kind of blossoming, blossoming out of Jean Grey trying to, quote-unquote, civilize her.
1: Oh, yuck.
0: And Storm is in these scenes and she's like, what do you mean I can't swim naked at the pool at the Xavier Academy? And every- I ask
1: that question all the all time, the
0: time. <laughs> and everyone's always trying to tell her what to wear and to put on appropriate clothing, which all adds up to this stereotype of the over sexualized, tribalized black woman. You know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. like like and it's like the
1: savage's atmosphere of like yes. what's laid on Native American people, like yeah. you're a
0: savage, let me show you how to do it correctly, exactly. Um, But, of course, like, some women take all this very differently. Some women love seeing a black woman who loves her body. And I've also heard a lot of people talk about how Storm and Jean Grey's relationship is really powerful as a symbol of female friendship, which is something we didn't really get to see often as kids. You and I talk about that all the time. Yeah. There's always a girl with the crew of boys. Yeah, exactly. And her and Jean Grey, like, apparently in the comics, like, really stick together for years. So,
1: it's all... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Na-na-na-na-na-na-na. <laughs> <Na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na>. um, <laughs> i just picture them running and then it uh, freeze frames
0: i've also <laughs> been two characters from that era of x-men at your halloween party yes, you
1: have mm. rogue and jubilee
0: that rogue costume was my best work
1: yet. uh i want to like i want you to recreate it this mm, year it's I, I so should. good yeah. so
0: um but yeah so after about 10 years Author Chris Claremont, who has stated many times that Storm is his favorite character, was like, all right, we need to do something new with Storm. So, Haircut, haircut, haircut. In the (laughs) 80s, we see Storm undergo a transformation. She goes to Japan and forms this really strong connection with a Japanese female ninja mutant named Yukio. And she changes her whole look. She starts wearing black leather pants and a leather vest, but the most dramatic change was her long flowing hair was cut into a big white mohawk. The author said that he was just trying to get Storm like out of her rut and give her a new independent look and attitude, but another writer claims that it was just a bad joke gotten out of hand. But for a lot of young readers, it represented the idea that maybe Storm was queer. Mm. (laughs) it wasn't lost on people that she goes on an international trip has a life-changing experience with another female mutant that she gets very close to and then all of a sudden chops off all her hair which is typically seen as a rejection of male beauty standards and the patriarchy i'm just saying bisexual storm is the kind of shit i am super behind hey
1: if you cannot read yourself in a comic book, then stop reading comics. Yes, like, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, if find that... a new comic book that you, you know what I'm saying? Right, like, yeah. it represents you. Totally. If you are bi or queer in any way and you want to read Storm as that way, yes. go for it. Absolutely. Please. Like, I just, I love it. And you also, like, when you look
0: at Storm from this era, all I see is Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn
1: Nine-Nine. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she looks exactly like her. I also found it very, very fascinating. You know how there was always like, and I don't know how true this goes back to in the comics, but how there was always like that thing between rogue um, Marie and Logan or Wolverine. Mm -hmm. And it just, I always felt like, Storm and Wolverine were such a better fit, but she was never attracted to him. Mm -mm. She was never attracted to Cyclops. She had very platonic relationships with those men.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like like there's like one like I like I was obviously like it's been. 1975. Mm-hmm. How many years? is Like 50 years. Yeah, I'm now. sure she's had
1: multiple relationships. Yeah.
0: And like, we're going to talk about some of them. And she even does date Wolverine for like a very small bit. But like, I feel like they were like, mm, that was a mistake. They're yeah. coworkers. <laughs> but you don't date your coworkers. You don't. Unless it's a sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, so if we're talking about her relationships, I mean, if we open up the idea that she is bisexual and in relationship with Yuki, it also adds to her list of like, non-white people that she's had relationships with. So her other old flames include Forge, a Native American, Khan, an alien, apparently, and this article was, like, and Wolverine, who's Canadian. I was like, but he's still white. (laughs) (laughs) But, and some people have been critical of this, you know, and then T'Challa, the Black Panther, and people are like, like, why can't You know what I'm saying? Like, is Marvel afraid to draw an interracial character? Like, what's the deal with this? Or, like, Mm. are you just celebrating, like, you know... Because, I mean... A couple of those relationships are interracial. It's just not with black and white. You know right. what I'm saying? Again, except for Wolverine because yeah. he is white. And it's so but,
1: interesting me because it almost seems like the X-Men is like the international group of superheroes. Yeah, no, they totally you know? are. <laughs> it's, it's like the United Nations yeah. superhero group. <laughs> like <groups>. Captain Planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These powers combined. Heart. Oh, my God. I tried to find that streaming. Can't do it for free. Really? I'm so disappointed. That's I wanted really to show the kids. Time. I know. Mm. Win. but
0: I don't know. Cause like, I don't know if that argument like holds as much weight as some of the other ones, you know, where, I mean, she has been in multiple interracial relationships. Like, I don't know. So anyways, it's all interesting to look at her potential bisexuality and her race, like race relationships, because the X-Men has always been read as an allegory for race. And, Sometimes the AIDS crisis and homosexuality. It's so much like Star Trek. I don't know anything about Star Trek. In the way
1: that it's about like this interplanetary... Society where people get a like get along and work together. Yes, and like there are these interracial relationships, yes. and there are powerful black women that are allowed to be on screen, mm-hmm. and like things that like people were like, oh well, it's not actual humans, yeah. It's aliens, it's right. mutants, so yeah. it can happen. Yeah, it's like you know, aliens. She's not a black a woman. She's so, yeah. a black alien. She's a, she's a black mutant. <laughs> so,
0: um, Chris. <laughs> Um, Chris Claremont once said the X-Men are hated, feared, and despised collectively by humanity for no other reason than that they are mutants. Um, He said, so what we have here, intended or not, is a book about racism, bigotry, and prejudice. And some have even compared the rivalry between Professor X and Magneto to Martin Luther King and Malcolm X both people fighting for the rights of the same people, which is with opposing ideologies. Absolutely. And then we have scenes like in the second X-Men movie where a teen comes out as being a mutant and his mom replies with, well, have you tried not to be?
1: Yep. So they're like uh. you see kids running away from home because yeah. they're scared to talk to their parents about it. Yeah. It's, it's very, very topical. topical. Yes, it is.
0: And, but it all goes back to what sells comics, and even though they have tried to create characters that reach out to diverse groups, you know, and the the world of comics has only been expanding over the years. But there's still this stereotype that comic books are only for white men and during the research for this episode, I was trying to find breakdowns of demographics that like of people who read comic books, and most of them are on gender. And one study said that the female readership of comics is at 46%. And there's literally, like, it was like a Reddit-type site, and there was that article posted, and someone commented underneath of it, and he said, well, that's just because most women just pick up the comics that their boyfriends or husband leave lying around the house. He said, I was like, you're the problem! (laughs) Why can't you understand that some women just are naturally interested in this?
1: Like some, And they seek it out. Like, so, I cannot believe that. I know. It was left lying around, so she had the chance to read it. When she's done vacuuming. What's
0: this? It's in the way of the vacuum. Listen, what?
1: she got a Roomba and went out and
0: bought her Jeez, own comics. Exactly. <laughs> buy a Roomba, <laughs> buy a comic. <laughs>
1: we should see they should sponsor us zumba we're here for it zumba you mean roomba (laughs) that's what i meant zooms
0: on my brain from this pandemic oh my gosh so and on that note i'm gonna give everyone a list of some black female comic book writers and a list of black female cosplayers who are fucking killing it do it so There's Regine Sawyer, the creator of The Rippers Eating Vampires and Ice Witch. She is the owner, writer and creator of Lock It Down Productions, a small press company that employs all female comic book artists with an emphasis on women of color. And she is the founder of the Women in Comics New York City Collective International. She's a badass. Then there's Juliana Jules-Smith, a young female comic book writer who has written the award-winning series Afrocentric about a group of black college students at Ronald Reagan University. Then there's Amanda Stenberg, who we all know as Rue from The Hunger Games. Oh, I love her! But she is also the creator and co-author of Niobe, She is Life, a fantasy graphic novel series.
1: Rue dying was... So emotional.
0: Never saw the movie, but the book was for sure emotional. Um, I need to get on that. I'm so bad at watching. Don't worry about the movies.
1: (laughs) The books were fine. Let it it be.
0: And if you're just looking to get blown away by some kick-ass cosplayers, I would highly recommend Kiara at Kiara Please, Ashley at pink.mason. She doesn't excellent Slytherin appreciation post where she's like in this bright green <laughs> gown in front of like a portrait of Snape it's so great <laughs> you there's, mean the worst <laughs> character in <yes>, the series <laughs> there's Jazz at Jazz the Bat Cosplay Stellara um, at Stellara Nebula Taylor at Your Favorite Senpai there's just a few of I mean like the thousands of black female cosplayers but they had like a really cool like I really like their photos <gasps> So go support these amazing black female nerds. Yes. Because cosplaying is something that takes so much effort. And money. And money. And talent. And time and patience. And it's incredible. I can't even, like, when I go to a wedding, I sometimes dare to put on eyeliner and then I immediately take it off because I did did it terribly.
1: You don't go for the fake lashes. I
0: can't. Ah. I don't know what. It, like I don't. I just don't have the gift for that. And yeah. for the people that do and do it well, I love it. And cosplay is so much fucking fun. And I'm just in awe of these women. So go check them out because they're really cool accounts. And yeah. So. But back to Storm, <laughs> she has been a <laughs> mainstay her. in the comic book world since 1975, and it doesn't look like she's going anywhere. She has been played by many women, including Halle Berry, April Elliston and Harrow, Alexandra Shipp, and maybe possibly soon to be Beyonce, which fans are not super happy about. Some people were disappointed in her portrayal of um, Nala in The Lion King. Myself included? Mm-hmm, saying which... it was... Mm-hmm, I'm a
1: big Beyoncé yeah, fan. Oh my
0: gosh, we love Beyoncé. We are uh, in she's the, the beehive. Queen. This podcast is in the beehive.
1: <laughs> we are part of the hive. <laughs> we have our own little hexagon. Yes. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was not a huge fan of her as Nala.
0: Yeah, cuz I think like you and some other people have been saying like it was just kind of distracting and yeah. like she it's also like again, like voice acting is a A talent different talent and animal and like she's a beautiful singer amazing performer and like artist artist but like yeah i don't know i didn't see the movie so i don't know firsthand but that's what a lot of people said um and so people were like don't just put her in there because she's a big name that will draw tickets yeah you know there are so many other amazing black actresses out there right now that could portray her and also some people are like also, can we please have a Storm that doesn't have super light skin? I was going to say, we, are we always
1: going to go for the light-skinned woman? Yeah. yeah. And that's
0: because that's what historically Storm has always been portrayed as. Right.
1: And I also don't want to be like, oh, you have light skin, so now you can't, I know. Be, you can't not. be black. I know. <laughs> I, it's I horrible. Know. But it's also like, you know, there's so many darker black women who have been passed over for roles for so long. Yeah, exactly. Because of their skin tone. Right. And now it's like this is a new era of movie yeah. where it's like we can we can have, you know, whoever yeah. portray this role. Exactly.
0: Um. So, but... The thing is, we don't even know if it's true. Beyonce has just signed a deal with Disney for like $100 million or something like that. And they
1: already had her. Once they yeah, have you, exactly. you're stuck. You're in the claws. That's what I hear. So... <laughs>
0: Um, we don't know exactly what that deal is about. Um, but I would love to hear our fans ideas on who should play storm. I think that would be really fun. Ooh, yeah. Send us some photos or names or whatever of people who you think should play storm. I think that'd be really cool. Um, but another person like, and this is the thing too, this next black Panther movie, which storm will be a part of, Mm -hmm. it's also, a time for them to get storm right because when I was listening to that podcast earlier um which is called the perfect podcast they were just talking about storm and they're like I feel like every movie she's in storm is played as kind of weak Mm -hmm. and passive and really in the comic books she is a leader she's strong she is decisive and there's just like they were joking about how like they're like God just get Chris Claremont to write the movies because he's <laughs> so good at
1: writing the comic books. Like, yeah, I mean, every scene that she's in in every movie and show, it's just Cyclops going Storm, and then she does her thing yeah. after he requests her exactly. to do her thing. It's like you're there in case we need you, girl. Yeah,
0: exactly. And like, apparently, like this is something like it's not even just that Marvel has done a disservice to Storm. Marvel has done a disservice to all of their female characters in the X-Men movies. Mm -hmm. Where like they just have not been represented as well as the male characters. And obviously I don't don't even know if Marvel's really made a good X-Men movie yet.
1: Not, not, From what to, I hear, no. Not to the <laughs> caliber of what we now expect from the Avengers series. Yes. And so, again, like, no shade on Halle Berry. Yeah. She, and it's like, I liked that set of movies. Yeah, I, I did. I really enjoyed those the movies. The, that Mystique, that yep. Storm, that Rogue. I thought they did a great job. Yep. But it is definitely not up to snuff with what they just did with the Avengers. Yes.
0: So, there's definitely some work to be done. Um, But whoever plays her... It will be amazing, and I think the world can always use more black voices, and specifically black female voices, in the world of comics and beyond. And I would like to end on a quote from her in one of the movies. She said, We live in an age of darkness, a world full of fear, hate, and intolerance. But in every age, there are those who fight against it. And that's the story of Storm, or Ororo, Ororo Monroe.
1: I love it. it was, that's so cool. I didn't know half of that shit. More, yeah, more than half. I didn't know seventy-five yeah. percent of that. Yeah, that's great. Very exciting. So
0: we need to get some more cocktails. Let's. Do we'll it. be back. Bye. Stay safe.
1: Uh, So this week we got our first ever actual real fan art. Yes, we did. We've gotten fan mail before. Yes. But never fan art.
0: Yes. Which is a whole new level. And it's beautiful. And it's not even like, I mean, this is legit. Cross-stitch women, well-behaved women rarely make history with Tons of women on it, and it's
1: amazing. So, from Dr. Misty Benz, of course.
0: Our resident
1: scientist. Who's incredible. I told her uh, on Twitter we're going to have to call these women the uh, Misty 14. <laughs> and every time we do one from now on, it's like, oh, she was one of the Misty 14. Because yes. we've done more than half of these women. But yes. But there are some that we have not. Yes. So I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah. No, me too. it's like – and it does like – I feel like it's a good thing for us to look at to be like, oh. and like, as soon as we're stumped, we're like, oh, who should we do? Like, you know, and I feel like that's a good thing to now look to. Of like, we need to do a Misty 14. Yeah. Misteen. It's time. <laughs> it's time.
1: Um, uh, but if you want to see it, go and look at our Instagram or Twitter yes. or Facebook or wherever. because Or LinkedIn. Yeah. It, it's there. <laughs> and it is beautiful. It really is. And um, Misty posted the pattern for people. Yeah, she did. I'm, a, I'm
0: not going to lie. I'm especially impressed with Empress Wu. That oh, it's
1: the, the flowers in her hair. She has
0: flowers in her hair. Ah. Uh,
1: I'm I mean, obsessed. Susan B.
0: Anthony looks pretty simple, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lady Godiva is just some yellow. Yeah. <laughs> Who is actually on our docket for this. Yeah, season. she is. And she didn't even know that. Nope. Um, all right. Her think shape. about how many different color yarns she had to buy for that. It's not yarn. It's string. It's
0: it's red. Yeah, I think it is string
1: Thread. <laughs> I don't know the difference um, between horses
0: words. and ponies.
1: Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> good call back. Well, do you want to know what you're drinking? I do. It looks amazing. OK, this is called. Title Equality. Ooh. And it is three ounces of mango juice, an ounce of vodka, an ounce of Grand Marnier, and a half an ounce of lime juice Ooh. in a martini glass with a sugared rim. Ugh. Cheers. I always mean Cheers. to do a sugared rim, and I forget.
0: Mm. I mean, like, everything with mango, it's so good.
1: It's very good. I knew it was going to be good from just the color. I can't believe mm. there's, like, two ounces of... Like liquor. Liquor mm. liquor in here. Liquor liquor. Mm. That's not so liqueur. Good.
0: Not liqueur, but liquor. A spirit, if you will. <laughs> I will. Mmm. Mm. Man, that's tasty. It is. It's just mango ju- mango juice with sugar.
1: Yep. <laughs> that's all. <sighs> all right. Tell me what you know about Patsy Mink. Alright.
0: I think she was Hawaiian. hmm And I wanna say she was like in politics or something. Mm-hmm. Um but that's really all I know. Okay. So that's basically it. That's my
1: Patsy Mink knowledge. I would say that that is probably the knowledge of most people. That's yeah. probably even more than most people. Yeah. And Patsy Mink is the most important woman in America that nobody knows about. Really? Yeah. Did she do Title Nine? <gasps> <laughs> she did that's oh a great God. guess you guess from the title of my from cocktail, the cocktail yeah. <laughs> title equality that's
0: insane yeah okay, I, now I'm just
1: stoked beyond belief for her story she's incredible she did more and as a teacher obviously title 9 is like out of this world important but just yeah. Patsy Mink like obviously title 9 is the most famous thing she ever did but she just went fist blazing the whole time Mm. and i'm obsessed with her and i think she's great and i just want more people to know her name so i can't wait to hear her story especially because like i was all i was already excited because like i don't really know who
0: she is Mm -hmm. but now that i know that she's connected to title nine i'm very interested yeah
1: um so let's get into it we need to. Ugh, okay. okay. God. All right. So sources. I, there is a documentary about her called Patsy Mink ahead of the majority. Mm. There is, that's mostly about title nine and it's half narrated by her daughter, which is super cool. Oh, that's cool. Um, there are a couple of good podcasts, the podcast. I don't know her and the podcast, um, like good bitch, bad bitch, like instead of good witch, bad witch, that was just super cute. That did a thing on her. Um, and then obviously Wikipedia, if you just mm-hmm. type in her name on Google, it'll give you a oh, whole sure bunch of articles kind of comes up. Yeah. But none of them list title nine, like in the shortlist creds, hmm. which is like, you would think that's the first thing that comes up, Yeah, but it's so buried in all of her politics that oh, like okay. it doesn't often pop up with her name. So Patsy Takamoto was born on December 6th, 1927 on a sugar plantation in Maui, Hawaii, she was third-generation Japanese-American. Oh. Her grandparents had moved to Hawaii in the late 1800s and had 11 children in Hawaii. Wow. And I need to learn more about this because I didn't know this, but they had been recruited in Japan to come work on sugar plantations in Hawaii.
0: Well, I know that they brought, um, from our Lulu Kalani episode, okay. I knew they brought a lot of people over from China, okay. but I didn't realize that Japan was also having people come over. That's very interesting. It
1: is. So it looks like it. Hawaii has one Such of a those histories
0: that like history. It's so much that I feel like freaking what is it? Dan Carlin needs to do like a real intense deep dive on it. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's got to
1: give me like the entire it's too. When you dive into it, you get overwhelmed. You do. It's intimidating. You absolutely do. Hawaiian history just changed hands so many times. Yeah. Um. So her grandfather worked obviously on a sugar plantation and then did some other like odd jobs around Hawaii mm-hmm. like mail delivery and store manager or whatever her grandmother insisted on her 11 children specifically the daughters getting an education mm. and one of those women was Patsy's mom I love that it's so cool God. that she's like no my girls also need to learn so side feminism <laughs> very important side feminism I love this new
0: corner A little different.
1: <laughs> a little different than
0: sad Sexism. It is. It's a little different. I mean, it's caused by side sexism, but. <laughs> but it needs to happen all the same. Through side sexism, <laughs> side feminism arises. I love it. <laughs> like a lady could
1: <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Simple cross stitch. Difficult story. Her
0: mother. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the tagline for when we do a <laughs> Miss Teen story. Oh, my God.
1: Her mother was Mitama takiyama and i'm so sorry if i'm butchering this to our japanese speaking listeners my bad uh and she was a homemaker and her father sumatsu takamoto was a civil engineer Oh, he which is like city planning that's like okay. what ben wyatt does okay <laughs> oh no he's the budget it's he's the budget chris chris is the city planner right no he's the city manager um parks and rec <laughs> i don't know who the- oh was it mark Brandanowitz? no he was just an architect well,
0: i don't think he was a civil engineer i think he was an architect so i don't know what civil engineers do then is the moral of this story nobody does <laughs> oh <laughs> i'm just kidding many people do just it's not like a- us i just feel like it's like a comptroller where you're okay. like
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, i'll vote
0: for you that, that's that. a job
1: <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Yeah, you're exactly right. Comptroller, civil engineer, same in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) So he graduated from the University of Hawaii as the first Japanese American to have a civil engineering degree in Hawaii. What? And then for several years was the only Japanese American that was a civil engineer in Hawaii. So her dad is even breaking barriers. He was continually passed over for promotions that were only given to white men god and her father would like take her to campaign rallies and like talk to her about politics and about life but obviously and this is kind of jumping the gun a little bit after world war ii he kind of had to switch things up and like do a little bit of a different job because pearl harbor is in hawaii oh my god and they're japanese wait what year was she born she's born in 1927 so this is gonna be the middle of her life that this happens oh my god yeah so I do want to point out, I keep saying Japanese American, but keep in mind in the 1920s, Hawaii was a territory. Oh, so it's not okay. a state until not like state, 57 yeah. or 58, whatever, okay. something like that, maybe 59. So we were like several years before this is an American state, although it's an American territory. Patsy started her education when she was four, but in fourth grade, she moved into a more prestigious school that was mostly white kids. You had to speak English to go there, and you had to pass an entrance exam, meaning she's very smart. Okay. And remember, she's third-generation Japanese-American, and she knows just by looking around that the second-generation Japanese-Americans are treated way worse than her, are living in serious poverty. They're living on plantation camps. And like doing sugar Oof. work. And she knows she's relatively privileged in comparison to the other Japanese Americans living in Hawaii. Mm. Um, I mean, her mom grew up with 11 siblings in a shack.
0: Oh my God. So
1: she's like, Oh my God, I get to go to this rich white school. Like I'm definitely privileged. Yeah. Shortly before Pearl Harbor was attacked by Japanese forces, Patsy had entered Maui high school and in her sophomore year of school, the day after her 14th birthday she was born December 6th so December 7th 1941 oh my god what a
0: terrible birthday yeah
1: that's the worst
0: Um, people think being born on December 25th is bad yeah
1: all you have to do is share it with Jesus (laughs) (laughs) when I rise in the morning (laughs) give me that's an inside joke for you and I alone right now (laughs) we'll tell them in the future yeah (laughs) Um, and And she, you know, she's just knows all the Japanese people. They're being treated like enemies of the state. Many people in Hawaii were arrested. They have a huge Asian population. Massive in Hawaii. So many people in Hawaii were arrested at first. Even her dad was arrested in the middle of the night. And it really shook her up. And he was released, fortunately, And because Hawaii was a territory and not a state, they avoided mass movement into concentration camps. So they didn't have to follow the same laws that like everybody on the West Coast was following. Right. This was when she first became aware of the reach of the government into marginalized communities. Yeah. And it is deep. She's like, oh, they're doing shit to us. And whatever we say... Who are they going to believe, us or right. them? And the answer mm. is them.
0: Always. And
1: it's similar to the conversation we could have about police brutality. You know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Like, the reach of the government can go too far. Yeah. It absolutely specifically can. Specifically if nobody hears your voice. Yeah. And if you're marginalized, people don't hear your voice. Mm-hmm. And it's specifically, like, and this is
0: the whole thing, I'm, I've am i been thinking about this a lot with how, like the tricks that they use to, to get their... To uh, to hide black voices and like voices of marginalized communities, like how everybody's all upset. They're like, oh, come on, Paw Patrol being canceled. And everyone who's like in the movement is like, we didn't ask for that. We're asking for basic rights. They're using the cancellation of fucking Paw Patrol to distract you from the movement because now you're upset about that and you're not upset about the fact that a man was killed by someone kneeling on his neck for eight and a half minutes.
1: And the most bogus thing about it is all those people complaining about it are the people who are hardcore into capitalism on the internet. So a private industry makes a private decision to Mm -hmm. do what they want based on consumer demand. Yep. And you say... I you don't, don't like it, so. <laughs> it's like, come on. That's exactly what you want, right?
0: Exactly what you want. <laughs> Corporations to be making their own decisions based on popular demand, but not when it affects a cute police puppy. Are you <laughs> kidding <my> me? Or my syrup. <laughs> or my syrup. And it's just. My God. <laughs> Again, but seriously though, don't get distracted by that shit. Yeah. Everyone just has to stay on the level stay and like focused. stay
1: fucking focused. Yeah, man.
0: And to like, again, don't look at what the corporations are doing. Look what the fucking people are doing. Hell yeah. Preach.
1: Preach! <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But seriously, back to Patsy. Patsy.
1: Uh, despite people's mistrust of her due to her race, she was very well-liked. So in her senior year of high school, she decided to run for class president and won. becoming God, Patsy the, for president. I know, still what now. Gra- still, still now. Come she, from the grave. She's dead, but still. yeah. <laughs> Somebody just read everything she already wrote. Please. She became the first girl to serve in this position at her high school, Maui High School. She followed this up by graduating as class valedictorian. In 1994. Vela Victorian. How do you say it? ha <laughs> ha I even spelled it right. <laughs>
0: oh, wow. That's like. Vela, 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 Vela um I used to say standing
1: ovation. <laughs> God, you're so dyslexic. Until I am. <laughs> I know. No, sorry, everybody. Allie actually is yeah, dyslexic. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not just. <laughs> that wasn't a slight at other people that are learning to say. <laughs> Allie really is. I really am. And I'm making a joke Diagnosed. because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> ovation versus ovation. I, I love it. The b and V's are very confusing. Anyway, so this is, she's, she's killing it. And it's still in World War II. She graduated in 1944. So wow. she's just like playing the game. She then attends The University of Hawaii With her end goal To be a doctor She had wanted to be a doctor Since she was a little girl And she was working So hard On her studies Mm. She double majors In (gasps) zoology And chemistry That's insane She is crazy (laughs) During her sophomore year In college She's elected As president Of the Pre-medical student club And was selected As a member Of the varsity debate team Damn Then She decides She wants to branch out So she's like Like, I'm going to go to Pennsylvania to go to college. Pennsylvania?
0: Hawaii. Y'all, we've been. We're neighbors. (laughs) It's not that great.
1: (laughs) It is just Marilyn's upstairs apartment. I mean,
0: if she's moving to, like, Philly, I totally support it.
1: Ah, her husband's from Philly. Look at oh. you! Okay, <laughs> a little foreshadow. <laughs> you read this ahead of time. I,
0: yeah, I looked up the Google Docs and I read your
1: whole story. Damn. So, <laughs> so she attends Wilson College, but just for a little bit, and then transfers to the University of Nebraska. This girl's trying to get. Oh it. my gosh, she is like, I am going to the ruralist of the
0: rural areas. I'm trying to find this country. No more palm trees. All the corn, yeah. Please.
1: <laughs> the corn and whatever <laughs> Pennsylvania has, also <laughs> corn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got corn too. It's cool.
1: <laughs> uh but the roast. Like everybody suck. has corn. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> Do they really not? Some places don't have corn. No. Like who? I don't know. The Rockies? Mm, yeah. Okay.
0: So, <laughs> tweet us if you got corn. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this university had a long-standing racial segregation policy where the students of color yeah boo the students of color had to sleep in different dorms so she thought this was stupid and decided to create a coalition of students parents businesses professors etc to combat the idea she gets elected as the unaffiliated students of the University of Nebraska. <laughs> ah! So she's the president of the non-white SGA. <laughs> and like I love another it. Another SGA. <laughs> and she successfully lobbies to get rid of the university's segregation policies. kind so She fucking stayed focused. She's focused. She's focused. Even though she was successful, she got really sick. Oh, and it was a serious thyroid condition. So she has to fly back to Hawaii in the middle of her senior year of college to get surgery and recover and finish her final year at the University of Hawaii. She (sighs) ends up recovering. She gets better. It's 1948. She graduates with a double bachelor's degree in zoology and chemistry true to form she's like i want to be a medical doctor i've always wanted to do this it's my dream since i was a baby so she applied to somewhere between 12 and 20 medical schools whoa so much money guess how many she got into okay between 12 and 20
0: Mm. oh my gosh you have to account for racism and womanism and womanism um I'm going to guess 0. 0. zero I guess percent. right. <laughs> I dead. guess right based on sexism and and racism. Zero. I win this horrible game <laughs> of, of life of price is right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go one, Bob. Spin the wheel (laughs) again, Bob. They're all zero because you're black, exactly. Or in her case, Japanese color or white. Just doesn't matter. Just a woman besides white. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm sorry, your wheel is down the road.
1: (laughs) You can't use this wheel. (laughs) (laughs) So in high school, right after high school, my friend got arrested for stealing Bob Barker's boat. That's (gasps) not a joke. Hold on.
0: I'm sorry. We need to pause the podcast for a second. <laughs> I promise we'll get back to Patsy. We're on page two. <laughs> oh, how many pages? Only eight. Okay. okay, good, okay good. Easy. Um, <laughs> easy peasy. Hold on. Your high school friend. friend. We stole... graduated. He went and stole a boat for a joyride. What was their name? Can you say it legally? John Cress. <laughs> <laughs> we'll beep it if we have to.
1: <laughs> he stole Bob Barker's boat. But he didn't know it was Bob Barker's boat. Ooh. He just went to joyride on a boat and it ended up.
0: Being- Who does he think he is? Rory Gilmore? <laughs> and Logan
1: <And> Huntsberger? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the Huntsbergers? Yeah, but not that rich. He couldn't get out of it. Did he go to jail? I don't remember. I stopped being friends with him because he was a criminal. <laughs> and I'm an <laughs> asshole. <You're- laughs> I've seen him since. He's fine. He's he has a, a crim- wife
0: and kids now. He's a criminal. I'm a criminal that's never been caught. <laughs> exactly. Because of privilege <laughs> um, I can smile and be like I'm sorry yeah I didn't mean to drunk drive. privilege only gets you so far yeah. when you steal Bob Barker's boat yeah mm, it gets a little tricky at some point yeah. okay but that's what it takes apparently <laughs> any anyway,
1: don't piss off a more rich I'm white so, man yeah <laughs> ah! they are really trying to avoid women in medical school only two to three percent acceptance rate for women and obviously white women have a better chance yep so her supervisor where she works as a typist, with all her knowledge, was like, Patsy, if you don't like the rules, just go change it, which Patsy's been doing her whole life. So yeah. Patsy decides, look, I got a better idea. I'm going to apply to law school. <gasps> so she applies yes, she to is. Columbia, okay. who immediately says no. <laughs> and then she applies to the University of Chicago Law, who accepts her. Mm. Shy city, baby. Yeah. Yeah. The university lists her as a foreign student. You, I mean, it's still a territory. <laughs> okay, it's still a territory. But technically, if you're born in a territory of the United States, you're a citizen. Yeah, like Puerto Rico. Maybe Puerto you Rican can't people. Vote, but. Yeah, but meh. Um, so. She's listed as a foreign student and has to stay in like the international house dorms, but she becomes a very popular figure in the international house and one night while playing bridge, she means bridge. bridge what is she a hundred I love her now <laughs> <laughs> in the grave i Love that she meets John Francis Mink, a World War II veteran of the Air Force. And despite her parents' warning, she is married to this white man within six months of meeting him. (laughs) To Joe Frank? (laughs) To John Mink.
0: (laughs) Isn't his middle name
1: Frank? Francis, yeah. Francis. Okay. Right. Yeah. John Frank. (laughs) So Joe Frank. (laughs) Joe Frank. Joe Frank Mink. (laughs) Uh yeah. Six months. Six months. They're married, interracial couple. Together. I love it. Yes, that's. I mean, she's so cute. How could you not? I know she's adorable. But you can also be ugly and marry interracial. <laughs> I know. No no, 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 I meant more the six month part, <laughs>
0: not the interracial. I knew what you meant,
1: but I wanted to make you uncomfortable. Okay, okay, right. you succeeded. <laughs> that spring, she got her jurors degree, jurors doctor degree, and he graduated with his master's in geology, and they were off to live what I like to call H.E.A. Happily Ever there <gasps> It's great. He likes
0: rocks. She's from like the land of cool rocks to look at.
1: Of volcanic rocks. Volcanic. Vulcan- <laughs> <laughs> this is the second story on a bad day. <laughs> I wish everyone knew what you and I have been doing this whole week. <laughs> we'll tell them one one day. We'll tell them maybe next week. In our
0: memoirs. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I say it like that? <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. Okay.
0: okay. I don't know. I also haven't written any notes because I'm so wrapped up in her story. It's so good. Okay. Fuck. Okay. That's okay. I have a lot. Okay. Okay.
1: Now, she's married female Asian American attorney, and work is unattainable for her. She can't get a job. So, um, she just returns to work at the Chicago Law School Library. Side note, her husband gets a job immediately because he's a white man. They had a daughter together in 1952 that they named Gwendolyn, and she goes by Wendy Mink and you can follow her on twitter she's an incredible no. author on law poverty and women's rights at wendy mink no spaces and it'll say gwendolyn and right now it's a cartoon picture of her with a mask on and it's great yes uh, i love her twitter so in august they go back to hawaii she's like maybe i can get a job there but i now have to pass the hawaii bar exam super smart that's easy doesn't matter right i've already i can do this i ha- i'm a juris doctor But she's not even allowed to take the Hawaiian bar exam because they say she's not from Hawaii. Because once you get married, you take on your husband's residency. So they're saying she's from Philadelphia, even though she's never been there. So she cannot be a lawyer in Hawaii because her husband's from Philly. And now that she's married, she is her husband
0: side sexism (laughs) there it is there it is what it's literally specifically to keep women from doing things
1: it's exactly what it is i hate it
0: (laughs) i have to be so far away from the mic when i yell
1: it's like you're craig (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: i wish i could i wish i could i had i had i need to do like a i need to get like a
1: signature craig quote oh yeah That I quote. He's like, I'm going to go take a nap for 45 minutes. Forget it. An hour. (laughs) (laughs) That one's great. A cabernet with fish. Unbelievable. Um, Yeah, it's great. I love him and he's worth it. (laughs) (laughs) He's
0: worth it.
1: Give it to me. I'm worth it. She went to court to challenge this territorial law as sexist and they ruled in her (gasps) favor. Women never do that. Are not their husbands. Yeah, she's great. Then she passes the Hawaiian bar exam, making Patsy the first Japanese-American woman licensed to practice law in Hawaii. I love that. And she had to jump over more hoops than everybody else just to do it. But she does it. Mm. Despite passing the bar, Patsy cannot find a job, even in Hawaii. It's
0: literally bananas how people are like, it's the only reason. It's not like she's a woman of color. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's just you're a woman of color, and we literally will not hire you. Mm -hmm. So frustrating. Yeah. So she decides, I'm just going to have to go into the private sector. But she tries, the private and public sector. And they're like, here's a couple of things that are wrong. A, you're, you're married to somebody outside of your race, and that looks bad for us. What? B, you're a mom. And like, we can't have moms doing stuff that'll give people ideas. And like, see, you're going to be out like late at night because lawyers have to stay out and do things. And like, we don't want you driving home alone, like as a woman when it's dark out. Like, so
0: that last one is just something they like to say to like shame women into not working.
1: uh, Right. But really, they're the predators. Exactly. (laughs) It's very, very contradictory.
0: Look, I don't want to go to have to go through the whole process of sexually assaulting you at the office. So like, let's just nip it in the bud right now. Exactly. It's ridiculous. Okay. So (sighs) she's like, (sighs) dude, I cannot also imagine being a person so motivated. Like I honestly think about how motivated you are as a person, Allie. Oh, right. And if you kept hitting these roadblocks because
1: frustrating it is right now,
0: like we are in a fairly decent position to like do things that we want to do. And I can't imagine someone like you living in a time like that where you're literally doing everything you possibly can
1: to achieve your dreams and goals. It would make me sick to my stomach. Yeah. And my children would be miserable and my husband would be miserable because I would just be fighting an endless battle. And how many women did we lose because they just
0: stopped fighting?
1: So many. Because
0: if I was in Patsy's position, I would absolutely, because I'm... Bonafide quitter. Um, <laughs> I would absolutely be like, I'm giving up. I, nobody wants me. I can't do this
1: anymore. It's like, how many battles can you fight? How many? Yeah. And apparently Passy just fights all of them. So She really does. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So she decides, look, um, if you guys aren't going to hire me, I'm going to make my own law firm. Mm. And on the side, she taught at the University of Hawaii to make enough money to establish her law firm. And she decided she was going to take on criminal cases and family cases that other firms avoid. This venture got her more interested in politics when she's obviously realizing that marginalized people are not being taken care of. So she founded the Everyman organization, which served as a hub for the Young Democrats Club, to which she was elected chair of the Young Democrats territory-wide for Hawaii. It's still a territory. We're not even in statehood yet. Oh, my God. In this role, she worked to help elect John A. Burns for Congress, and he did lose, but then she got to work as his staff attorney. So she's moving her way up into, like, the big dogs. And she's like, okay, I'm putting my eyes higher now in the territory of Hawaii. So now it's debating statehood. It's, like, 1956, and Patsy ends up running for Hawaiian legislature and she wins representing the fifth district in the territory in the house of representatives. But she's surprised the people in her state because they decided not to back her, but back someone else instead. They felt that a Japanese American woman was not electable and encouraged a man to run against her. So her husband became her campaign manager. Is it, I was just thinking that it was like Leslie Nope. Yeah. Leslie Nope and Ben Wyatt. She was the first woman of Japanese ancestry to work in the territorial house. And then two years later, she became the first woman to serve in the Hawaiian Territory Senate of all time. Not That's like amazing. first Japanese American yeah, woman, just, just the first, first woman. woman to do it. And then Hawaii becomes a state in 1959. During her time in the state legislature, like for the territory, she helped to ban the British from nuclear testing in the Pacific. She worked on legislation for education, employment, housing, poverty, and taxation. She wrote a bill to grant equal pay for equal work, regardless of gender. And by 1960, Patsy had established herself in Hawaiian politics. And it's like, it's time to branch out. So during the Democratic National Convention platform in Los Angeles, she gained recognition for speaking on the party's position in regards to civil rights. This is 1960. She urged equal opportunity and equal protection and motions. To There were lots of motions to restrict rights from this North Carolina senator, and they were defeated because of the things that she was saying. And she's not even in the real, like, the U.S. Congress yet. She's in the state legislature. Um, Anyway, she helped get his thing turned down with, like, two-thirds of the party. Um, and she got to, you know, do things where she was standing up against people who were trying to take civil rights away, which is super right. cool because yeah. her entire life has been civil rights being taken yeah. away. So now she realizes, oh, Hawaii has national power. We're not just like a new state. We're like going for it. So she um, decides that she is going to run for the House of Representatives <sighs> and she wins a seat. She becomes the first Hawaiian woman in the house, the first woman of color ever in the house. This is before this is before Shirley Chisholm. She's the first person in, I believe, I believe in Congress of color. That's amazing. Definitely the first person in the House of Representatives of color, the first Japanese American woman in Congress and the youngest member from the youngest state to be in the House of Representatives. She's just first, first, first all over the place. Love it. In her time in office, she was regularly accused of neglecting her child and was asked how she was going to raise her child while working full-time. To that, to a reporter, she said, and I quote, I think that is the most offensive question I've ever heard. Has anyone ever asked a man, how has this been on your family? No one does. Ever. Still. Still they don't. And she's saying this, you know, 40, 50 years ago. That's ridiculous. It's so...
0: It's literally the never-ending story for women of, but what about your children? And men never get asked that question. They don't. Do you think anyone ever asked Trump how Barron's doing? No. How's he doing?
1: No, and it's funny because there are some male politicians who do purposely bring up their... Family, yeah, absolutely. But people don't ask them about it. It's no, the same as don't. the
0: clothes thing. Like,
1: where's your suit? Like, where'd you? Who made your dress? You well, know, except for Oscars. when Obama
0: wore that tan suit. Oh, Never man. forget. Oh <laughs> my god! I, every time that comes up, I get viscerally angry. Yeah, that like people were more upset over Obama wearing a tan suit than Trump literally raping women and making fun of disabled people.
1: They don't care. They don't care. And saying that people of Hispanic descent are rapists. Yeah. There's a lot of that. He doesn't offend anyone. He's great. In the federal government, she focused on similar issues that she focused on in Hawaii. Children, education, gender equality. She supported the great like social programs that Lyndon B. Johnson was putting out, but she very very critical of the vietnam war yeah i mean hated it sure and she got the nickname patsy pink because of like the reds are communist but she's a woman so she's not a red she's a pink can you even i don't even understand no some of her biggest gains though were in education as we talked about earlier and we're not even to title nine she was put on the House Committee of Education in the late 60s. She initi- initiated a ton of programs under the Early Childhood Education Act, which included the first federal child care bill ever. She established bilingual education, the Head Start program, school lunch programs, special education, student loans, and teacher sabbaticals. <laughs> yeah.
0: She's like, hey, everyone that goes to school and works in the schools,
1: we should probably start taking care of them. (laughs) We're going to we're going to educate the entire population all at once. So let's try to figure out a good way to do that. Yeah. She then worked on the Elementary and Secondary Education Act in 1965, where she promoted adult education, Asian education, Asian studies, career guidance programs and vocational education.
0: Yeah, I think adult education is something that is so stigmatized. and I don't understand why
1: it's. Outrageous that people think that education should stop at a certain age, and that if you've passed the age where it's acceptable that you no longer have the right to learn. Yeah. You can change your mind. You can change your mind. You can mess up and fix it, or you can keep going. Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, I remember when I was going to school, I mean, there was a, a guy that, you know, swiped cards at the fucking, you know, school lunch cafeteria place. And he was like in his 40s. And he also took classes with us. I had a fucking class with him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I just wish that more people felt empowered to do that. Be like, yeah, I'm going to work at the school. I'm going to get an education. I'm going to live my fucking life because why? Mm.
1: Nobody thinks it's dumb when like a 20 year old works at the bookstore and still goes to college classes. Exactly. Why does it matter if you're doing it at 40, 50, 60, 80? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. But it does. So adult education was also on her docket. Love it. She then wrote the first of its kind daycare bill that passed in both the House and the Senate. A daycare bill. But it was vetoed (gasps) by President Richard Nixon. Nixon at it again. He really was. What was was? the bill? It was so that underprivileged families could have support in sending their kids to daycare because they work at night and daycares are only available during the day so daycares are literally only available for like people that were like nine, to, nine five. to five so it's like if you are working a shift as a waitress or like you clean you know a building during the yeah. graveyard shift like hospitals who's gonna watch your kid if you're an underprivileged mom you have to leave or dad and you leave them alone and she was like let's figure out a way to get People this service for cheap and it was vetoed by Nixon. So good job on that. What a monster. Seriously. Children. The House and Senate were like, we're down. And he was like, no. So in 1970, she became the first Democratic woman to deliver the State of the Union response. So you know the president every year does their speech and then a person from the opposing party comes on and gives their response. She was the first Democratic woman to ever be chosen to do that. Mm. And the second woman of all time to give an address. That same year, she was the first person in the House to testify against President Nixon's super right Supreme Court nominee, George Harold Carswell. We're going to talk about this for a minute. Okay. In her testimony, she cited that he had refused to hear a case that was brought to him about Ida Phillips, who was a, had an employ, employment discrimination case. And it was that she did not get hired to somewhere because she had preschool-aged children. But there were men that worked there that had preschool-aged children. And this guy just dismissed the case, said he wasn't going to hear it. During the hearing, she talked about how he dismissed the case without looking at it, and a senator said very condescendingly to her, are you aware that there are nine other judges who turned down this case? And she said very classily, yes, I am aware of that, Mr. Senator, but they are not up for Supreme Court. I I think she's great. She's so bold. She is. I also want to point out that this man was a notorious racist who was trying to keep his private golf club whites only. No. He I mean, was. why am I saying
0: no? <laughs> it's so obvious
1: that that's... That's who he is.
0: Like, um. Well, and also it's so obvious that, like, of course, there are men like that making laws for all of America.
1: Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Even now. Are you ready for this? No. This I'm never ready for this it, but I am thing. ready for it. George did not... Get the Supreme Court position because of her. And guess who did? Harry Blackham, who was the person who wrote the majority opinion in Roe v. Wade. She's responsible for getting the person on the Supreme Court stop who it. legalized abortion. Patsy Klein for president! My last name's Mink! <laughs> Damn it!
0: I knew I was going to do that at some point. Patsy Klein's a Patsy person, though. Patsy Mink for president.
1: Damn I can't it. believe it. She's great. That's incredible. Without her, we don't know where the abortion laws would have gone. What? This is all before Title IX. She's just what? kicking ass. Yes. She's the best. I know. Okay. so she continues to fight against nuclear testing and the Vietnam War. And um, she's starting to get fed up with the rollbacks from the Nixon administration and the civil liberties that he's taking away. And she decides I'm going to symbolically run for president just to bring attention (sighs) to, you know, the anti-war thing. So she becomes the first Asian American woman to run for president. There's no primary in Hawaii. So Oregon, Wisconsin and Maryland put her on the ballot.
0: Fuck yeah, Yeah. Marilyn.
1: She only gets two percent of the delegates that she needs for like she needs like fifty percent or something. So obviously she knew it was symbolic and she would never win, but it was about anti war stuff. So then she wrote the Women's Educational Equity Act, which opposed discrimination against women in textbooks and curriculum. So she said in textbooks, they show men that do science things and law things, and they show women working in their house and doing women things. And if we keep teaching our children, this is what men do and this is what women do, then we're going to keep doing it. So she gets the curriculum changed and she also in that change works to educate americans about the asian internment camps during world war 2 which we have openly said we knew nothing about as children absolutely not she also promoted promoted many other laws that she didn't author like the that benefited women and marginalized groups like the consumer product safety and equal employment opportunity act and equal credit opportunity. She talked about insurance practices, pensions, retirement benefits, social security, survivors, benefits, equitable jury service, healthcare issues, ho- housing discrimination based on marital status. You know, she's trying to even things out across the board and also authored the equal rights for women act. But, and this is like halfway through her life, but the end of her life's easy. her, most popular thing of all time is that she co-authored with it was two other congresspeople with her sponsored and campaigned for title nine the amendment of the higher education act which provided gender discrimination which prohibited sorry (laughs) (laughs) it provided gender discrimination provided it, it prohibited gender discrimination across the board in any federally funded institution and it passed easily with her cool writing. But once the practice went into effect, everybody was like, Oh wait, fuck. We have to actually follow this. We have to actually follow it. It's like, "Mm." they were scared. They were scared. I mean, that's a hard thing to do. All of a sudden I was spending $30,000 on my high school football team. And now I have to also spend that much money on the female sports teams or like, you know, I was spending this much money on this male program in my college. Now the sororities also need that much money that's dedicated to them. It's a big flashlight on the issue. It really is. It's a monetary flashlight that shows you the inequity.
0: Yeah. Well, and also it, it it's because you're totally right. It just highlights it of like now it's like, oh, this girl wants to play soccer. We don't have a soccer team because that's what happened in my school. We're like the we girls didn't, didn't have a team. We didn't have a team. So then they had to let Marianna Hall play on the boys team because it would be illegal well I mean not for us because it was a private, a private school. school but still but like, still, if, if it like, was a public school if it was a public school like you have to give the same opportunity to girls yeah
1: mm. and that People, I mean it turned It's her like legacy what she did with this.
0: And it's interesting too because I do feel like we frequently only think
1: of Title IX as related to sports. But it's every But it's every federally funded institution. Yes, Equal opportunity to male and female. Yes. Schools fought it the most because it was for young kids and most of the funds come from things like PTA. Mm. So if all of the football moms are out like you know raising funds to buy helmets and pads and this and that people always cite football because it has expensive gear and they're like well female sports don't have that gear and it's because you don't let them charge at each other yeah so whose fucking fault is it that females don't have expensive gear mm, don't play yeah. at me don't play at me with that card yeah. I don't want to hear it let me check those sticks in lacrosse before you oh fuck my with gosh. me it's also like we also don't have expensive gear because you want to
0: know what was happening before they made women wear goggles and fucking lacrosse? We were getting blinded. They were getting their eyes knocked out. Yeah, exactly. So we didn't have helmets. <laughs> now the girls are like, they're like, oh, I guess we'll give you helmets. Yes, you can have helmets for your eyes only.
1: <laughs> we want you to be able to see what you're cooking yeah, for us. I know. <laughs> so Ooh. all the
0: female lacrosse players holla at me <laughs> seriously um. <laughs> so
1: later after like that year after it's proposed uh, an amendment is proposed to take it away from schools they were like we don't want schools to do this because it's just too much on those small institutions uh it's the quick- smallest, the small institutions that get federal funds <laughs> right So it quickly gets shot down in the Senate. The Senate's like, no, title line's good. We don't want to deal with it. And then it goes up for vote in the house and it was going to be tight and she was going to have to speak. And you know, it was about to go on the floor and she gets an emergency phone call that her daughter was thrown from the wind, the windshield of her car. What? So she gets a call and she looks at like her fellow house members and they're like, you have to go. (sighs) And, um, the bill loses by one vote. No! And Title IX gets a callback, but then male sponsorship. A male House member speaks up and says, We need to revote when Patsy is back and when her daughter is fine. So they did. And she got to speak, and the decision was overturned, and they won by 37 <gasps> votes after she spoke. 37 votes. Patsy for president. Seriously. Protecting oh, I love it. anti discrimination of Title IX. So, and this is just to end the Title IX section. Okay. Because of her, there are currently 11.5 million in women enrolled in college. There were at her time only 300,000 girls playing high school sports, and now there are 3.5 million. And the things that she wanted to do, medical and law school, have equal enrollment for males and females. This is why representation is important. This is why she was there to talk it up. So that's her most popular. Now we're going into the, like the end part of her life, which okay. is wild fancy. So she served six terms in Congress. Shit. Okay. Six terms. So next chapter's weird. In 1976, she learns that she was given an experimental drug during her pregnancy as a woman of color. No. Which unwittingly, placed both her and her daughter at risk of developing cancer. Stop it. So Patsy brought a lawsuit against them and she won (gasps) and made sure that she and all thousand women affected and their children had a lifetime of diagnostic testing and treatment.
0: That's amazing.
1: Can you even believe that's part of her story? What the fuck is she doing? I
0: do She's being crazy. I love it. <laughs>
1: After her six terms, Patsy gives up her seat in the House to run for a Senate seat because one opened up. But unfortunately, she lost. Mm. So then she loses the Senate seat and you give up your Congress seat. So now she doesn't have one. Okay. But President Jimmy Carter was like, I kind of like you. So he appointed her to be the Assistant Secretary of State for Ocean and International Environmental Scientific Affairs because of her degree in zoology.
0: <gasps> I forgot she even did that. Yeah
1: so she worked on issues such as Deep sea mining toxic waste and whale Protection (laughs) love it Then she moved on to be the First woman to be the president of the Americans for democratic action In Washington DC she did one Term of that and then she's like you know what I want to go back To Hawaii and have kind of a quiet Life so she goes back And she's there just hanging out, practicing law. She's in the private sector. And she finds out that they want to build this power plant. And she's like, oh, that's weird. Let me look into it. And then finds out they're trying to build the power plant without public input. So they're not doing like the councils like they do on Parks and Rec where they ask people for things. So she goes to them and she's like, hey, I'll fight this case for you pro bono. Love it. Gets the power plant blocked. Can't do the power plant. Mm -hmm. Then they're like, well, Patsy, you're so great. Why don't you... Why don't you just be on the city council? So after being in Congress, oh my, she sits on the Honolulu City Council (laughs) because nothing's too small for her. Nothing
0: is too small because, again, I'm just now. I mean, obviously, everyone realizes we're drunk right now. <laughs> and I'm just going to say I think that is one of the most powerful aspects of having women in leadership positions is it's like there's never a job too small for a woman because we never like we didn't have those jobs to begin with. So it's like I feel like
1: men take such offense at like you want me to do what? Yeah. Do you know who I Do am? you know who I am? And it's like no, I was a congresswoman and now I'm going to be on city council. It's fine. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's nothing is too unimportant for me. Exactly. Because if it affects the people, then it's fucking important. I'll which help is out. what all of those
0: fucking asshole old white men in Congress don't think about. Nope. It's ridiculous, and Betsy DeVos because fuck her. <laughs>
1: um, she's rolling back all these education God, things. I, I oh. hate her. She's like
0: the anti Patsy Mink. She is. I really feel like Betsy DeVos is the anti Patsy Mink. She's, she's just,
1: Dolores Umbridge. She
0: really is, she's and Dolores. we keep forgetting about her. And then she does something fucked up, and I'm like, God damn it, that's right. <laughs> You're still there. You're still
1: there. God, it's just how so- can someone be so terrible? Trump overshadows her. It's ah, the problem. It's it the, is problem. the problem. Um, she also in this time ran for governor and mayor in Hawaii, lost both elections, but it's like, she's just out there doing stuff. So, um, when she eventually left city council, she worked as a public reporter, publishing voting records. And she also led the Hawaiian coalition of global affairs. Okay. Then in 1990, she gets a call. Um, the guy in the Senate for Hawaii passed away. So a Congress seat had to move up and they're like, Patsy, can you just please come help us out in the Congress? So she wins that like bid to go yeah. and fill in the dead spot because all of our Congress people are a hundred or older. Um, and so it, she goes back in the 1990s and serves another six terms. She was, she was a Congresswoman when we were children. That's crazy. Um, so she continued to push for gender and socioeconomic equality legislation regarding displaced homemakers minimum wage increases and occupational discrimination she worked on a congressional asian pacific american caucus and on welfare reform during the clinton administration but most notably she spent her six terms fighting for what she thought was very important which was universal health care literally patsy for president what is happening My God. why wasn't she president okay i l- Mm. In this time, she again came toe-to-toe with the Supreme Court in a very popular hearing. They put up fuckhead Clarence Thomas as a nominee. He had been accused of sexually assaulting Anita Hill, his, like, secretary woman, but they weren't going to let her testify. So Patsy and a few other females marched through the streets with signs about this and made the cover of new york times then they had to let anita hill testify Mm. clarence thomas did make it onto the supreme court but this is one of the first times we learned a lot about women's voices on assault and sexual assault she's literally pre-me too yeah she is the pre-me too movement she got anita hill on that stand without patsy mink anita hill would not been able to say her piece jesus so Patsy was still in Congress during 9-11. This is how recent she was. Oh, after, my God. Yeah, after 9-11, she did a lot of work because she was really worried about the Department of Homeland Security and how they would treat people of Arabic descendants because, because she, she saw what happened. She just, said, I know oh what God. happened after Pearl Harbor, and I just don't want that to happen again. However in 2002 mink was hospitalized in honolulu due to complications with chickenpox, which is why you vaccinate your children because that didn't exist for, for her. real it didn't exist when she was a kid it started in like i know my little brother was in one of the starter groups really yeah i i was not vaccinated for chicken pox either mm. um it started in the 1990s i guess so she was way above vaccination age for that um but it ended up that the, it, the condition steadily worsen, worsened and she died of viral pneumonia at the age of 74 in oh September of 2002 Jeez. in recognition of her. All flags in the country were put at half staff. She received national memorial and state funeral. Women honored her by creating a human lay around her 900 women Created a circle linking around her tent and they stood and sang Hawaiian songs and she was buried in the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific. After her death, it was really close to the election. So her name was still on the ballot. So she was reelected into her empty seat, even though she was dead because people loved her so much. Um, Her husband ran for her empty seat, but he didn't win. But they were happily married their whole lives. Ed Chase ended up filling her seat. Mink is remembered as a woman who fought personal and political discrimination. Her papers were donated to the Library of Congress. President Bush renamed a park after her. Title IX is technically now named Patsy Mink Equity and Education Act. She was put in the National Women's Hall of Fame. And President Obama gave her the Presidential Medal of Freedom after her death. Again, like I said, there is a documentary about her life called patsy mink ahead of the majority but one of the best things about her life is there is this hawaiian this is after her death there's this hawaiian senator Maisie hirono who was encouraged by patsy as a young politician and when nancy pelosi was up for speaker of the house Maisie cast her vote for nancy and said out loud that her vote was dedicated to patsy mink who had always said that she thought Pelosi would be the first woman to lead the House of Representatives. After Maisie dedicated her vote to Patsy, her and Nancy locked eyes and smiled, and together they silently acknowledged one of the female heroines of politics. And that is the story of Patsy Mink. Can you even fucking believe it? She did everything for us. Like, our life would not exist without her. It's cra- it's like she's RBG, but nobody knows her name. You know what I mean? I know, because I'm crying right now. I I'm s-
0: I have tears running down my face. Like, I
1: cried so much doing this research because I was like, why why isn't there, like, a Patsy Mink day? Like, why I- don't... <laughs> take down
0: the statues of Robert E. Lee and put up fucking statues of Patsy Mink. <laughs> why not? Why? I just, like... She fucking changed the world. She really did. And like, I just keep thinking about how there are things that we benefit from every day that she had to do with.
1: And like, we, we both played high school sports. Oh my God. We both have, you know, the rights to not, you know, be of our husband's residency. We've got like the things that like, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Also just like,
0: I feel like there are. Just sometimes, those people who are, you're just like, man, you are on the right side of history every fucking time, yeah. and that's Patsy Mink. Like,
1: she's cool, and she also shit. like wasn't afraid to say it. You no. know what I'm saying? Like, she's like, whatever. What are you gonna do to me? What that are you gonna do to me? Done? I know. <laughs> she's
0: like, I've already been rejected by everything and everyone. So like at this point, what do I have to lose? May as
1: well. Okay. Yo, let's talk about these girls together. In a little segment, we like to call. <laughs> just the two of us wow um i it's it's such a weird comparison but i yes. feel like both of them changing the weather is a cool symbology yeah that's not a word <laughs> no, no, yeah. symbolism is the word <laughs> symbolism
0: um no but i totally yeah i i i do feel that way because i feel like every time they Walked into a room or said something. I mean, obviously not. Storm was literally controlling the weather. But when Patsy would like go into her space. She would change the tone of the
1: space. Right. And that's exactly what Storm's superpower was. And it was what people called on her to do. I think people wanted Patsy to be there. Even that man in in the. I should have written down his name. I'm an asshole. But like he was like, we're not going to do this without Patsy. Yeah. Well, and also because this
0: is the whole thing I hate about the whole um, trope of like locker room talk. It's like it's only locker room talk because other people who are affected by that talk aren't fucking present. And Patsy was exactly that. She's like, you know what? Well, I'm going to be present. I'm going to make you feel shitty about the shitty things that you're fucking saying. Yeah. And then you have Storm who can literally change. The atmosphere. Mm. And I just think that that is so powerful because that's exactly what we would to do is change the atmosphere. Because you know what? The atmosphere needed to be changed. We cannot live in a country anymore where the people who are making our laws are just old white men. More people live in America than that. And they just don't get it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's such an important part, which X Men did so well with representation. Yeah. It was like, look, hey, you know what? We need somebody who is from Russia. We need yeah. somebody from West Germany or, sorry, the Soviet Union at the time. We yeah. need somebody from Canada because, and we need a Native American because and these Kenya. people being here are important. It's yeah. important to
0: see them. They exist. Well, because that's the thing is like comics had the ability to look at the problem and say, you know what the problem is? We're like all white characters. <laughs> Like, We need a more (laughs) exciting
1: story. Exactly. It's not exciting anymore. It's
0: not exciting because nobody cares that much about white people except for fucking white people. So, like, let's get some diverse voices in here. Let's get some diverse characters in here. And And how much more
1: fun was the X-Men when we did that? So
0: much fun. And how much
1: more equal is the world
0: when we did that? Yeah. No, exactly. It's
1: great. And I think, too, I thought it was neat that you were talking about the fact that X-Men was a political comic. It was like... Well, you know, we can sometimes use art to say, this is what happened in Egypt. This is what happened in Kenya. This is what happens when a black child is born with completely blonde hair and they are feeling like a total outcast. Like those types of things change the world. And that's what Patsy lived through. Yeah. Like experiences that people didn't talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy.
0: Well, and I also, I didn't mention this, but one, because nobody was talking about it, but, you know, when I was watching one of the videos about Storm, they were showing panels from her series. And there was at one point where she's in one of her child thievery groups and you don't see her initially, but then in one scene, you see her getting knocked back and her wig falls off. Mm. So she has this long white, hair and she's covering it with a short like curly haired wig because where she was living that wasn't the norm
1: so she's trying to fit in she's
0: trying to fit in but in the exact opposite way that I feel like we see people do a lot where it's like oh you want to fit in so put these chemicals in your hair straighten it spend all this money on doing your hair which like obviously like do whatever you feel comfortable with but You know what I'm saying? But, like, it shouldn't be the standard. Right. And it's just very interesting that it went the other way. And I think it's, again, comics have such an ability to make all these critiques of culture and say things that I think that a lot of people are afraid to say.
1: I I agree. I think if you... Uh, always television shows, comics, yeah. especially in nerd car culture are yeah. always so ahead of the time yeah. in terms of like common commentary on culture, like, yeah. which is why, you know, I've seen a lot of things on the internet the last couple of weeks. It was like, if you read Harry Potter and didn't know that it was about racism, then you didn't read Harry Potter. Yeah. If you read anything in Marvel and didn't know that it was about injustice in the world, then you didn't like Marvel. Like you don't get it. You don't you get it. You have to get it. You do. And it's it's like the same thing with understanding Patsy Mink and Storm that I think is so powerful is that they are powerful women that are stable, they're in the background, yeah. they're doing their job. People don't quote unquote care that much about them, but they're always there and they're always getting it done. Well, because people don't care about women just doing their jobs because it's
0: not proving their point that women can't work and women can't get things done because storm and Patsy were leaders. They were just natural leaders who fought battles and got shit done, but that's just it. They were literally so successful That, like, people don't look to them as much. The reason that Storm is a hard character to write is because she's just a successful, straightforward person. Right. That's why she gets forgotten. And that's why when you get into the series, you don't think about Storm because she's not fainting left and right. She's just doing her job and she's doing it well. And that's what Patsy is. And then when they say, oh, you can't do your job that way, she does it another way. Exactly. (laughs) They change focus. When Calypso was like... You can do your job, but you can't use your powers. And mom like, okay. said,
1: OK, yeah, I'll adjust. Which and is the same as Patsy being like, hey, you can do your job, but it's on city council instead of Congress. Yeah, and, she's and she's like, like OK, fine. I'll block a power plan. I don't right, care. Or whatever. Like, you can be a lawyer, but you
0: can't be a get doctor. hired by a firm or be a doctor or do this or do that. And it's like, you can't do this. So do something else. And they're like, OK, I'm just going to make my
1: own way then. And the best thing is that it's an ultimate middle finger to the man because by not letting this one woman oh. be a doctor, she has opened the door for millions, millions of women to be doctors and lawyers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Fuck you. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's, I don't know. It's crazy. It's beautiful. I also loved that I included that last story about Maisie and Nancy Pelosi after yeah. you talked oh my about gosh. female friendship because people have such a negative view of female friendship like it can't exist and female sponsorship can't exist we're supposed to be pitted against each other like why is she so pretty why is she so this why is she so that she breastfeeds her kids and I bottle feed my kids like and it's not really like that but you've made us think it's so much like that that we start acting like that it's exactly
0: like what we were talking about earlier with getting distracted and like The white male patriarchy wants you to get distracted by these things. They want you to think that what feminism wants is X, Y, Z. They want you to think that what Black Lives Matter wants is X, Y, Z. Because they want you to forget that what we actually want is basic human rights. Yeah. Black people just want to be not killed by fucking police officers. At least, at least, that's (laughs) it. They just want—they're being very giving. (laughs) They just want to matter, at least. And that's what Patsy Mink was fighting for, and that's what Storm was fighting for. Like, I just want to matter. I just want people to have basic rights. I just want for a woman
1: to like be like, I want to be a doctor, and like you can go be a doctor, And, And let's let our textbooks tell girls that they can be doctors and then let's have kids like storm who don't have child care some free child care yeah perhaps that perhaps like let's help these let's help these kids out somehow yeah my god I don't know. It's a very interesting comparison. Whenever we do a fictional person and a non-fictional person, it really is. I like it. I think this is a good match. I think it
0: is too. Like, again, we don't plan these things, so we don't.
1: (laughs) And I know like we're getting closer to like the July 4th date. So we went a little political and next week will be super political. But it's like, as we're getting there, it's like, these are the things that matter. And our country is at a political precipice right now. So absolutely. Because again,
0: Kind like, kind of like what Patsy was pushing us to do. We have to face the inequalities that are built into our nation, Hmm. and we have to change them. We have to change. Take a note from Storm and take a note from Patsy. If you want to create real change, change the atmosphere. Make it uncomfortable for racists to exist. Yeah, because If if they're just comfortable, like. We have that guy in Maryland, Vince from Vince's Crab House, made a racist, super racist comment about the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd's death. Shut him down. Specifically, and people are like, then no. I don't want your crabs. I don't want your fucking crabs. And we love crabs. We love (laughs) it. But it's like, again, make it uncomfortable for them that like they have to change.
1: It is uncomfortable to sit at your family dinner and have to discipline your elder relatives if they yeah. say something wrong. It's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. You have to do it. It's time. It's time. It's been. It's been well past time. It, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's. It's definitely time now. Yeah. And I just
0: wanna I also do want to shout out all those people who are having those uncomfortable conversations constantly, right? Online and in person. It's, it's hard to do. It's really hard. But take a note from Storm and Patsy. Just change the it. atmosphere. Change the conversation.
1: Nike. <laughs> what? Just do it. <laughs> oh, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say. Um,
0: I think Reebok put out a really um interesting thing this week. Oh, did they? I think. Don't quote me on that.
1: Okay. i I've been loving the corporate like like support that's happening. Yeah. It's I great, mean, but again, it's all words. Until it's all something words gets done. until something
0: gets done. But again, again. the
1: more people that are, show their support are the more people that Congress people are going to realize, oh, they're going to vote for this type of bill. Yeah.
0: Honestly, also, I think we need to give NASCAR a little shout-out here. Yeah. NASCAR not only just... Because like, NASCAR could have just been like, hashtag Black Lives Matter, but they're mm-hmm. like, you know what? No, get the Confederate flag fucking out of here.
1: And also, uh, Richmond, Virginia is like... Don't hurt yourself taking down the statues. We'll do it. We're going to take them down. We're going to take care of it. Leave them for a bit because somebody got injured, I think. Yeah, I think so. And it's like, don't worry. We'll get them down. Just give, give us a minute so that nobody gets hurt. Yeah. Thank you. Very cool at aunt jemima very cool like they've been there's been some really cool things happening and now there has been it,
0: some of them are distractions it
1: is but, but also if you don't know the story of nancy green she was the original model for aunt jemima go look her up because yeah. it is an interesting story and like there's a lot to it you have to read articles from both sides but it's a very interesting ideal on like the black caricature yeah. of what a black woman is yeah and I don't know anything about it because I've never had to deal with that. This literally
0: just came up for me today.
1: So I, don't, I haven't researched it too All my caricatures are Disney princesses. Yeah. So my life has been very easy. <laughs> so.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's all we need to say about them. Time to toast. Time to toast. Allie, who would
1: you like to toast this evening? So I think there are a good many women who exercised Every inch of the power that they had to create the life that I have today. So this toast is specifically for Patsy Mink, Mm -hmm. for changing laws, for changing schools, which is a big part of my life because it's my job. And for creating spaces for me and people like me to be the person that I am. Mm. So to Patsy Mink, literally. Cheers. Who do you have?
0: I'm going to toast. Storm and powerful black female women. I just think that it's something we've been really focusing on the last couple of weeks and I love it because it's something that gets put down a lot and I just, I love that Storm has been around since 1975 just showing how amazing women of color and black women in America can be. Yeah. And I just, I just think it's really fucking cool. So cheers to, cheers to black female power. Hell yeah. Bring it on. All right. Now, what are you enjoying in pop culture this week?
1: Okay. So I want to promo a Twitter, not a Twitter, an Instagram (laughs) is the word I meant. Yeah. Um, Ellen Shieldland. Hmm. she is an artist she's in her mid-twenties and she's like a russian artist that creates these like weird fantasy whimsical like photographs yeah um and you can find her at at Shieldalina. i don't really know how to say it but if you just type in ellen shieldlin it'll come up and it is it's really really cool and drastic like the way that she manipulates her body and the way that she manipulates both the computer graphics and the objects around her mm. is very cool. And it's okay. worth following her on Instagram just so it pops up on your feed every now mm. and again. I'll show you some pictures when we're done recording. Cool. cool, cool. Who do you got?
0: <laughs> I'm going to promote. This is so dumb and so white after we've just been promoting all these cool black and colored voices. <laughs> There's a show that I used to watch when I was a kid, and very inappropriately that is on hulu that i 've been getting back into it's uh just shoot me <laughs> david spade for the win david spade i just i've been I, I used to love that show when I was a kid, and i've been watching it again and It's very interesting because they do tackle like a lot of things about like, you know, body image issues like in a comedic way. But like they do tackle a lot of that. And I think it's interesting that we're at the end of season two and really not one storyline for like more than one episode. Like obviously they're dating and stuff. So that's part of it. But like no major character has been in a focused relationship yet. Huh. Which I think is fascinating. It is
1: fascinating. I feel like Seinfeld did that, right?
0: Oh, Seinfeld definitely did that, where it's, like, the longest relationship on Seinfeld was, I think, like, Susan and George or, like, Elaine and Putty. Right. You know? Not long. Yeah, just not long, just flings. And obviously, like, we're going to get into it later, but, like, we've gone two seasons and... I just think it's really cool that it hasn't really focused on that. But um but I just I've really enjoyed the show. It's very, very white. So sometimes just,
1: you need a sitcom. Sometimes you need a sitcom. And some sitcoms do not age well. No, so and definitely this ready one doesn't. So going there's ready. a lot
0: of fucked up shit in it. But yeah. I just it's really mindless and good and Nina Van Horn is my favorite. <laughs> 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 so yeah, just shoot me. It's fun, it's on Hulu. Um watch it if you want to zone out. So that's it. Well,
1: oh, you can follow dude. us everywhere and anywhere. Really can. And you can send us recommendations. We have a long Please. list. It is building. Season yep. 7 might have to be all requests just to, like, do it.
0: Let's just go for it. I mean, we have so many. We have a couple from Misty right over uh-huh. there on the wall. So... Just follow us. Request it. Um, we're at everywhere at the handle at Nina Van Horn. Um, <laughs> just kidding. It's our Shore on the Rocks. Um,
1: <laughs> and go find us at Harry Potter this summer. At this summer. You can see us live on a computer. On a computer. We will be talking to you. <laughs> live from Delaware. In real time. Yeah, we'll be in a different state. It'll be so weird. Hearst her on the
0: road. Um, <laughs> but most of all. We want you to rate and review. That would be the best. Right. Um, But second, most of all, we want you to never, ever
1: forget that well-behaved women have no less than one label maker. Never.
0: And they rarely make history on their crickets. Goodbye.
1: (laughs)